morning, King's House. I would be lying if I said that I wasn't hoping a few more of you would be at the lake this weekend, but that's okay. I'm still glad you're here. I'm excited to be speaking with you this morning on Labor Day weekend. What a great time. Pastor Mark is off in Africa, and he is attempting to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. He should be summiting in the next couple of days. So if he pops in your head, just say a quick prayer for him because that is no easy feat, just in case you were wondering. I think even he, as he's gotten on there, has realized it's a bit bigger than he realized. But he can do it. He's got the tenacity. I know he can. So say a prayer for him. We're coming off of 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you were able to do that with us, I pray that God really met you in that time. I know that sometimes when we're in the middle of it, it just feels strenuous and stressful, and we don't necessarily see what God is doing. But I always believe that as we come out of that time, we can see the way that God's hand is moving and how he is answering our prayers. So I'm believing that God is going to answer the prayers that you had during that time. You know, over the last few years, we've celebrated, we've talked about all of the things that God has done here in the King's House, and it's been absolutely incredible. There's no denying that God has moved in this place, and it has been so powerful. But over the next year and the next years to come, we're stepping into a new season. As we go from being the King's House to joining up with people that are like-minded, and we move into a season of being Dream City, you know, what God wants to do is absolutely incredible, and it is so much bigger than any one person. I hope that we realize this morning that God is wanting to do something incredible right here in a little church in the middle of nowhere. He does. So the kicker is, is that yes, he's positioning us and yes, he's moving us into this new phase, but we still have some choices to make. And the truth is, as we move into this next season, we can botch it. Isn't that encouraging? Aren't you excited that Mark asked me to speak this morning? We can teetotally botch it. So this morning I want to talk to you. The title and message is Four Ways to Totally Botch It. That's really churchy, isn't it? You're welcome. I'm going to look in 1 Samuel. We're going to look at the life of Saul this morning. And I'm going to take out four examples from the life of Saul of how we in our own lives make these same mistakes and how we can botch what God is wanting to do. Because God is positioning us to do something so incredible. But sometimes we have to get out of the way. Maybe not sometimes. Maybe all the time. So I'm going to give you a little backdrop really fast. Saul is the first king of Israel. The Israelites have cried out and they desperately want a king that they can follow, one that they can look at. Even though Christ was leading them, they wanted one that they could see with their own eyes right here, right now. So God gave them Saul. The Bible doesn't give us a ton of information on Saul. We know who his father is. And then we know that Saul is handsome. I don't know about you, but I could not care less what my leader looks like. I don't care. I want a good leader. I don't care if he's handsome. I just want a good leader. But that's what the Bible gives us about Saul. And in the beginning, when Saul starts, you can see that his eyes are really focused on God and doing what God has called him to do. So in the beginning, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is moving on Saul and he's prophesying and he's filled with this like righteous tenacity. He's going to go out and do what God called him to do and he's going to conquer the enemies of the Lord. And, and right out of the gate, we see this, this group of people called the Ammonites and they are coming against God's people and they are tormenting them. But God uses Saul. He raises up inside of him this desire to go and to conquer. And through this really cool turn of events, he manages to just wipe out that enemy of the Lord. What's really incredible. But not long in, we see that Saul gets his eyes off of God and he gets it focused on himself. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about today. My first example of how we can completely botch it is to demand your timing. You see, up to this point, we see Saul in victory. We see that he is following the will of God, and he's doing what God is asking him to do, and he's doing it in boldness. But right here, what the Bible tells us is that the Israelite army is hiding in caves, and they are trembling. They are absolutely filled with fear because 30,000 Philistines are coming against them. So the word of the Lord that came to Saul through the prophet Samuel, because that's who God used at that time was Samuel. The word of the Lord that Saul received was, go to Gilgal, wait seven days, and then I, Samuel, will come and I will offer the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. So that's the last word of the Lord that Saul received. But in 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 9, it says he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So when Saul is looking with his natural eyes, he sees that he's losing his army. So what is he going to do? Is he going to wait on the Lord, or is he going to take matters into his own hands? Well, so Saul said, bring the burnt offerings here to me and the peace offerings and he offered the burnt offerings. But it wasn't God's timing. That is not what God asked Saul to do. Saul stepped out on his own, out of the timing of the Lord, and he made the choice to do not what the Lord asked, but what he felt was best. Why? Because when he looked with his own eyes, he saw what was happening in the natural. But the truth is, is that when we look with our own eyes, what we're seeing isn't what really matters. What matters is what Christ is seeing. So we have to trust and we have to believe that God's timing is everything. Can I tell you something this morning? When you are in the middle of that waiting period, when you know that God has given you some promise and you've been holding on and you've been holding on and it's not happening and everything in you starts to say, well, God's forgotten. He's forgotten what he said. He, he got busy with something else, and so I need to make this happen. God, uh, I know what you said, but my timing is better, and I'm going to make it happen. Man, we mess it up every time. Abraham did the exact same thing. God promised Abraham and Sarah a child. That was God's promise. Abraham was going to have a child through his wife, Sarah, but year after year passed with no child. They didn't, God hadn't given them a child. So what did Abraham do? Well, oops, God forgot. So I'm going to make this happen. So he sleeps with Sarah's maidservant, and they have Ishmael. But that was not God's promise. And Ishmael grew. After God did eventually give them the promised child through Sarah, his wife, Ishmael grew to despise the promise. And that raised up a nation that hated the nation that God had called forth. You see, when we do things, when we, when we decide that we know the best timing, we mess everything up. We have to trust God. We have to trust that his ways are higher than our ways. We have to trust that he knows the beginning from the end, and he has us. But it's so easy to say and so difficult to actually live it, or maybe that's just me. The second point I want to talk to you this, this morning about is we really botch it when we demand our terms. Demand your terms. Saul and his mighty men at this point of where I'm going, they have been off all day. 
They've been fighting a battle, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to bother trying to say the names of the towns because I can't at all. I have no idea what they are. But they're going, they started battle here, and they've ended all the way up somewhere else, fighting this battle all day. They are exhausted. The Bible says that they are faint. They are literally done in. And they decide that it's time to eat. But they, they slaughter some animals because, you know, that's what happened. And they begin to consume the meat with the blood still in it, which was very much against the law that God had given to them. So they're eating the meat with the blood in it, and that's not what they're supposed to do. In 1 Samuel 14, 34 through 35, it says, And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. But he's been king for a while. Why is this the first time we see the king of Israel building an altar to the Lord? Because life was on Saul's terms. You see, Saul decided to cry out to God when he realized he had no other option. He decided that he was going to, to build an altar and give God the first and give God the praise and the glory and the honor. But not until he absolutely had no other option in himself. He waited until he was ready to do it his way on his terms. And that is not what God has called us to do. Can I tell you something this morning? I think Mark is pretty great. I don't know about you, but I think he's pretty great. I love him very much. I, I would literally follow Mark anywhere, and he knows it. I would follow him to the, ends of the work, to the ends of the earth. I trust him. I believe in what God has put inside of him. But my husband is just a man, period. Mark Hannon is a man. God help you if you are a trucker who makes him mad. That is not pretty. Do not talk to my husband before he has had his first cup of coffee in the morning. He is not that nice, all right? And for the, oh my goodness, all that is good and holy, don't be his family when he gets home from a trip overseas. Jet lag is not his friend, and Mark Hinnon is not all that nice to be around. He's just a man. And if Mark Hinnon is setting the terms on this church, my friends, we are in trouble. You see, God is the one that sets the terms on our church. He is the one that leads us and guides us. And if he is not setting those parameters in place, we are all in trouble. Do not follow a man. The Bible says to set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He brought us this far. He will lead us home. We do not need a man. We need Jesus Christ to lead this church. We must remember that we need God to set the terms, not just here, but in our own lives. Who is setting the terms in your life? Are you? I'm going to tell you something. We're going to mess it up. We don't mean to, but we do every single time. The third surefire way to absolutely botch it is to demand your way. In 1 Samuel 15, 3, it says, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. We're going to pause right here, okay? Thank goodness 
that God is not asking us to completely demolish an entire group of people and animals. That is not, listen, if you feel like God is calling you to slaughter your neighbor's pet who keeps leaving little bombs in your yard, do not do it. Don't pray about it. Don't think about it. It is not God, people. It's not, okay? But what God's direction to Saul is, is to devote everything they have to destruction. Everything. Skip down a few verses. 1 Samuel 15, 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. And that, and that all that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Well, how is, that's not, that's not what God said because what God said was to devote all that they had to destruction. Do you know that partial obedience is still disobedience? Do we know that? Partial obedience is still disobedience. When God calls us to do something, he calls us to wholeheartedly, with everything that we are, run after and follow his way. It is not about us. We make it about us. We make it about what we think is best all the time. It's so easy. Do you know that five years ago, when we got an offer to go to Colorado, every single thing inside of me, inside of myself said, oh yeah, that's God. I spent the majority of my formative years growing up in Alaska. I love the mountains. I love to ski. I love to hike. I love to be outdoors. And in case you haven't noticed, Oklahoma is not the best place for that. There are no mountains. It's like a million degrees all the time. Like it's not a great place to be outside. Everything inside of me said, this is God. But God's not Burger King, and we don't get to have it your way. We may want to, but that's not what he says. So the truth is, is that this life is not my own. And even though everything inside of me might say, this looks really good, it doesn't mean that it's the way that God had. I could have never imagined what God wanted to do right here. I couldn't have fathomed what he wanted to do through our lives in this place. Yeah, Colorado would have been nice. I'm not going to lie to you. It would have been nice. But it wasn't what God was calling us to do. And we cannot live our lives based on what looks best to us. We don't get to have a life that's all centered around us, which lucky for you brings me to my fourth point. The fourth way to absolutely botch it is to demand a you-centered life. Ugh, I don't like that. Because the truth is, is that it's easy for us to see, well, God, we want our lives to be great. We want our lives to be happy and full of great moments and everything's la-di-da and we're going to tiptoe. But that's just not life, people. It's not life. We don't get to demand a you-centered life because we belong to Christ. We are his child and his creation, and he has a plan and a purpose, but I'm getting ahead of myself. At this point in our story with Saul, we're going to skip a few chapters. You guys should read it. It's a pretty great story, honestly. We're going to skip a few chapters. And what God has said at this point is that he regrets choosing Saul as king of Israel. What a disappointment that is. I can't imagine how, how bummed I would be if God said, man, Eric, I really regret choosing you. Like, well, that's not good. But that's where Saul finds himself. And so the Bible says that God raised up another. He raised up David to take the place of Saul. Saul's line is done. He's, he doesn't even get to continue. 
because of the choices in his life and the decisions that he's made, he is done. And what we find is that his life has completely spiraled out of control. In 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9, it says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Do you know that jealousy and insecurities will completely destroy what God has called you to do? When God created Erica Hinnon, he did not create her to stand on this stage and be a worship leader. Oh my gosh, what a disappointment. He did not create me to be Melody Meek. He created Melody Meek to be Melody Meek. He needed me to be me. He needed Erica to be a pastor's wife. Not necessarily what she expected in life, but hey, that's what he called me to do. And my job is to do what God called me to do. The quickest way for us to absolutely destroy what God is doing in this place is to play the comparison game. Because every single time you ruin something incredibly special when you compare it with something else. You see, God didn't make you to be like anything else. He made you to be you for a reason. God needs you to reach the people that he needs you to reach. I don't go to work with you and neither does my husband. You have an entire mission field every single day. You do. Be who God called you to be. Quit looking in the mirror and putting everything about yourself down. People, God needs you to be you. He needs you to be who he created you to be because there are lost and dying people in this world and only you can be there for them. Do what he created you to do. The insecurities, oh my gosh. Listen, I can stand here and tell you, insecurities have done everything to rob me of who God has called me to be. And yes, there are circumstances in life that lead us to places where we look in the mirror and we just see someone so completely broken. And we think, God, how could you ever use that? How could you ever, Lord, this person's used me and this person's used me. And the truth is, is sometimes it began when you were so little, you never even had a choice. But let me tell you something today, that who God called you to be is absolutely special. It is important and you need to stand up and you need to fight back against all of the crap that the devil has thrown at you because you get one life my friends you get one life to live and my question to you this morning is are you going to let the insecurities that you struggle with rob you from what God wants you to do are you going to let the devil use the events of your life to destroy what God wants you to accomplish I hope not because we get one life I want to encourage you this morning let God heal you. Let him heal your heart. All of those broken things inside of you that you think, God, what could you possibly do with this? What could you ever do with someone like me? Let him fix it. You can't stop the events that happen in your life when you're a child. Some of your adult events you most certainly can stop. But you can't stop all of the events that happen to you in your life. But you can let God take those things and mold them and shape them and heal them and use you to be who he called you to be. 
You can take those difficult situations and you can love the people around you. You can say, baby, look, I made it through and so can you. Because with Christ, we can accomplish anything and we can do anything. Be who God called you to be. Quit comparing yourself to those around you. Be happy with who God made you to be because he needs you. Quit letting your insecurities rule your life because God needs to use you. He needs you to get over yourself. He needs you to be who he called you to be for a purpose and for a reason. And I'm going to wrap it up, and you're welcome. <laughs> you see, God called Saul to be the first king of Israel. What an absolute honor. But because Saul demanded his timing, his terms, his way, and for life to be all about Saul, he completely botched it. As we go into this next season, God is positioning us. He is aligning us with people that have like-minded. I want you to know and understand that what we have to accomplish is so much bigger than us. And the truth is, in order for us to do what God's called us to do, we have to get out of the way. This church is not about Mark Hennon. This church is about God. And what God has called this church to do. Mark is a man. Don't get me wrong. I think he's incredible. I do. This is not a bash Mark. He's incredible. But he is just a man. He is doing what God called him to do. That is why we are here today. Because he willingly laid down his life to do what God has asked him to do. And you need to do the exact same thing. Every single one of us need to do that. So you may be asking yourself, well, all right. You've given us four ways to botch it. What now? Acts 13, says, and when he had removed him, God removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Friends, everything in us should be longing to go after God's heart, to do his will. This life is not our own. No matter how much we make it about ourselves. You know, in America, it's like, oh, I'm going to live the American dream and I'm going to get everything and I'm going to do everything. And nothing you can accomplish, nothing you can attain, nothing you can achieve in this life is going to be better than what God has for you. Mark says it all the time. The best thing you can do for your life is the perfect will of God. And it is 100% true. There's a song that talks and sings about like the God-shaped hole in all of us. I don't actually think it's that great of a song. But there is a God-shaped hole in every single one of us. And, you know, we try to stuff it with this and we try to stuff it with that. And, and we try to like pull ourselves together. It's like we're, we're taking all of these broken pieces that we have, you know, and we're just kind of lugging them around with us. Like, yep, that's right. I'm a survivor. I've done it. You know, like, like threw so much at me, but look at me go. And we just, and it's like falling off. People are knocking off our garbage because we're just carrying it around, lugging it around. Let God heal it. Stop dragging it through life with you. Stop reliving what happened over and over and over. And let God make you the overcomer that he created you to be. I'm standing here before you today as a woman who was called by God. And I'm going to boldly proclaim what he called me to proclaim. It doesn't matter if you like me. It's okay. You don't have to. I am a child of God and so are you. I have a call of God on my life and so do you. As we move into this next season, I want to ask you, do you trust God? Do you believe that he has the best for your life? 
Do you really, truly believe it? Not just lip service, not just saying it, but are you living it day after day after day after day? I am not talking about perfection. That is not what God wants. He wants us to strive to be more like Him every day and less like us. He has called you for a reason. When you look in the mirror, every single day you get up and you start to get ready, you proclaim, I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. God has called me to reach the lost. God has called this church to do more than be a nice little church in the middle of nowhere. Are we gonna get up and be who he called us to be? Are you going to let him lead your life? Are you gonna spend the rest of it leading your own way? It's so easy, isn't it? Well, God, I'm gonna bring you along. You can get in the passenger seat and I'm gonna drive and I'll just take you along with me, but that's not what it is. That's not what it's meant to be. He is meant to drive and lead the way. Let God touch your life. Let him change you. As we go into this next season, friends, let's go into this season believing that God is gonna use us for more. Believing that what God has for us is so worth our time. It is so worth letting him heal us. It is so worth being who he called us to be. He doesn't just need Mark Hinnon. He needs you. He doesn't just need Chris or Blake or Josh. Or, he needs you. He didn't just call us. He called you. You have your own purpose in life. There are ministries that are in this room that you are meant to be a leader of. Do what God's called you to do. Why are we making it so complicated? Who is he asking you to be? Follow him. Do what he's called you to do and let God deal with all the crud in the middle. Would you stand up to your feet this morning? Lord, we come before you and we just worship you and we praise you. We thank you for all that you're doing. God, as we move into this next season, Lord, we just say that we wanna be more and more like you and less and less like us. Father, I just ask that you would lead us and that you would guide us. I pray that you would touch our hearts, Lord. Father, you know what each and every single one of us has experienced in our life. And God, I just pray that you would begin to heal, that you would take the pain and the hurt away, Father, and that you would use the difficult situations that the devil meant for evil, that you would use them for good so that we can reach the lost, we can reach those that you've called. Father, we love you so much. We lay our lives down at your feet in your name. Amen. Come on, give it up for Pastor Erica and Jesus. Hey, listen, before we dismiss, some of us need to grab our cameras and we need to take a picture of this right here because in order for us to make a difference right here as a church body, guess what, guys? It starts with us in our own homes, with our own families, in our own choices. So some of us need to take this with us because even today, we may be finding ourselves walking along that same path that's all too familiar to us to where we're demanding our own timing, we're demanding our own terms, we're demanding our own way, and we're demanding a self-centered life, but instead it needs to be a God-centered life. So I wanna challenge you guys today as you walk out, you go back to your jobs tomorrow, you go back to your families today, you go back to school on Tuesday with those kiddos and everything, 
listen, it's so important that we keep God in the center of it all, because if we're not doing that in our own homes, how can we be expected by the Lord to lead this place as a church body? It's not possible. It starts with us. Wednesday, guys, just a quick reminder, we're starting a brand new Bible study on the book of Ephesians. Don't miss it. Kid Nation, Kidopolis, Kid Haven will all be in full swing. The Boys and Girls Club will be open for our youth group. And then also, as you guys leave today, I challenge you, take a few of these invite cards. Find somebody at a restaurant or at the checkout line at a a store or wherever and invite someone to church with you next Sunday as we start a brand new series called Believe With All My Heart. It's gonna be setting up perfectly with what God wants to do in this place moving forward. Amen. I love you, King's House. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great rest of your Labor Day weekend. Invite someone to church with you.